Hello and welcome to another episode of the Distance Diaries podcast. Thank you for listening. My name is Fraser and I'm from London. And my name's Natalia and I'm from Mexico City. So Fraser, tell me what you've been up to this week. Um, so it's been a pretty busy week for me uh, work-wise. <laughs> I've been working pretty hard getting in early um, in central London and then coming back fairly late. Um, but over the weekend, I've watched a lot of the World Cup. So went out to a place called Flatiron Square near Borough, which is kind of an outdoor food and bar place. Uh, with lots and lots of screens to watch the football. So I went to watch the Mexico game. Uh, which watch us awesome. win are, again? Yeah, watch Mexico win again. And there are a lot of Mexican supporters there. So that was a great atmosphere. And then the next day, which was, was Sunday, I uh, watched England with um, some friends and had a big get-together to, to enjoy England winning as well. So that's, that's good to see both Yay. England and Mexico getting off to a good start in the World Cup. Hopefully that will continue. Yeah. And hopefully by the time you're listening to this, that's still the case. Um, um, is... I mean, it's coming out tomorrow, so. Yeah, so hopefully. Yeah. Um, it will I be. mean, England um, is through. England is already through. Mexico yeah, is still. Yeah, Mexico, nearly, nearly Yeah, we're, we're leaders in a, in a group with Germany, which is quite cool. So hopefully, yeah. hopefully we can win the next game and then we'll be through. Yeah. And what about you? What have you been up to? I've been. I've also been watching the World Cup. And apart from that, I went for dinner to this place called Pescaderia in Prado Norte. If anyone sort of knows it. And then I had a little bit of a weekend trip with my class. We went to a place in Puebla called Valle de Piedras Encimadas, which in English is Valley of stacked up rocks i guess yeah <laughs> and it's a really really big national park which is really beautiful so that was nice and what you were what were you up to there we just took photos it was for a class for uni so it was interesting we went we came and went uh-huh. the same day and then i also went to a coffee shop in polanco called biscottino so if anyone wants to go there it's pretty nice so yeah that's what i've been up to cool cool and have you watched or listened to anything or read anything good this week? Yeah, apart from the World Cup, I watched Paul McCartney's Carpool Karaoke, which has a lot of views now, so most people have probably watched it. But I thought it was so good and I cried and I think he's just one of the most talented men alive. So I loved watching that and I love the fact that it was the whole thing was more a tribute to the Beatles and what they did <laughs> in Liverpool and I just, I loved it. I also watched a film called The Lost City of Sea, uh, which is directed by James Gray, and it's about uh, the travels of a guy whose name escapes me right now, but he was a British explorer, and he got obsessed with finding this lost city that he was convinced existed in the Amazons, and it's about his journeys to to find it, like sort of like El Dorado a little bit. Uh, I also read a few articles. Sorry, I have a lot of things to talk about this week, everyone. (laughs) I read an article which is quite interesting in LinkedIn, I'll link it on the show notes, called uh, Key Business Lessons from Love Island. I have, I'm still watching Love Island, and this, this article is basically about what you can learn marketing-wise from Love Island, which is pretty interesting, is an interesting read. And on the topic of Love Island, which I've been watching as well, can we stop with this narrative that there's this girl who's 29 
in the in the show and everyone all the tweets are like oh i feel like i'm hearing my grandma talking can we stop with this narrative there's a guy that's 27 and no one's saying anything about it so can we not can we stop calling her grandma for being 29 it's not even that old so let's just stop that i just wanted to mention that and also the last article i read which i found very good and it's fashion related is an article on man Uh repeller uh, which is about the fashion in Call Me By Your Name and how they are the inspiration for this summer. And I really liked it because I love the fashion in Call Me By Your Name. And this article basically talks about how to dress like Call Me By Your Name this summer. So I'll link that as well. It's written by Harling Ross, which is, uh, she has also written interesting articles in Man Repeller. So I'll link that. Cool. But yeah, what have you been watching, listening to, reading? Um, not so much. Not so much, I have to say. Um, more or less watching the World Cup. That's pretty much taken, I would say, most of, yeah, most of my free viewing, reading, everything else time has probably been taken up by that. <laughs> um, so yeah, have to admit it wasn't the most culturally enlightened week. You have watched a lot of the games, though. So I have, I have watched that. so many games. I think, and also just yeah. you know, catching up on all of the the reaction to it online, catching up on the just the different commentary and punditry and opinions. It's just such an absorbing thing if you're a football fan and. Yeah. Basically, if you have any World Cup questions, just tweet Fraser. He'll know the answer. Yeah, always up, <laughs> always up for for seeing more and discussing more of the World Cup. Basically, <laughs> cool. Should we move on to our first topic? Yeah. Okay, so we're basically going to talk about the future of transport in cities, like London, like Mexico, like big yeah. cities. So, Fraser, what do you think is the future of of alternate transport in big cities yeah so it was kind of inspired by hearing about this new trend over in the u.s which i think is incredible and a lot of people do but then i've also seen (laughs) a lot of detractors to this trend and that trend or that business really is scooter sharing so scooters there's two things that come to mind one is the kind of scooter which Every single person I knew had a scooter at the age of about seven. So uh, a metal thing, which you just push yourself along on, like a skateboard with a handlebar, basically. So that's one thing. The other type of scooter... I have that. Yeah, there you go. It's it's clearly an international phenomenon (laughs) to have those. Then the other type of scooter is more like a moped, effectively, but you can get electric ones of those. But that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about a motorized electric version of the thing that you had as a kid. So think think of that Apprentice UK episode where they organized a scooter trip and they went terribly badly. Those scooters. But those are segways. Oh, aren't those scooters? No. What scooters do you mean then? I'm really confused now. I mean the ones that you had as a kid. Which have one wheel at the front, one wheel at the back. Yeah, but obviously th- those are not like the future of transport in big cities, are they? But but, but these are motorised, so they have little electric motors. Ah, okay, and I get it, I get it. So, yeah, and they're easier to ride than something like a Segway. I they're thought you meant cheaper. Segways. No, 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 no. We're talking scooters, but just okay, with motors cool. on, so you don't have to, you know, you don't have to get sweaty whilst you do it. Okay, got it, got it. So, basically, in the US, there's two companies which I think... I'm not actually sure exactly, but they're called one's called Bird and one's called Lime. 
and they're both they've both raised a huge amount of funding they're both valued at over a billion dollars even though they've only got you know a few thousand people actually using them so you go on an app you open it up and you find the location of a of your nearest electric scooter and then you just you just go on it and you go to work you go let's say you get a train somewhere and you get out at the station but you're still you know one two miles from where you need to go you just get on a scooter, no fuss, no pedaling, like with with a bike, which we'll talk about talk about in a minute. Um, and in my opinion, it, it's genius. And I am very open to the idea uh, that this is going to be a big success. And I'm also very open to the idea of going to work for a scooter company. So if there's any scooter companies out there that want to get in touch, either give me, send me a scooter or, or offer me a job. Um, this is a, a side company. job. I've already got a, a job. Don't <laughs> Yeah, don't, don't tempt me. But anyway, I think they're awesome. Yeah, I was going to ask you, and I think you were going to get to it. What is the difference between this system with scooters and the system for bikes? Because in case people living in Mexico don't know, and I think there's a good alternative, there's an app called B-Bike which is basically that system is not EcoVC, which we all know and is the same as the Boris bikes, sorry, Santander cycles <laughs> and <laughs> and the same system of bikes in Paris. This is a different type. It's the same system that Fred's talking about with scooters, but with bikes. So what to use the difference is just like that you get sweaty in a bike. Yeah, so obviously, <laughs> that's a funny way of putting it, but um, yeah, so <laughs> with the scooters and with the V-bikes that you mentioned, you just have an app and they're dockless. That's that's the key point. Yeah, so you just leave them anywhere just, in the city. You just leave them against the wall, against the railing, or just anywhere where they'll stand up. And, and then, lock it. And just yeah, you just like click a lock on the wheel on the on the bikes that I've seen around London. There's there's a few companies. There's Ofo, Mobike, uh, I've seen loads of those, and then there's one called Urbo, apparently, where you just mm. download the app, you see where the nearest bike is, you type in a code and you go and you can leave your bike like right where you wanna yeah, stop that's riding it, it. Whereas with the um with the Boris bikes now known as Santander cycles you've got to go to to a docking point and this they're great I used to ride those a lot when I lived sort of right in the center of town I used to love getting on those when the weather was good yeah but I guess if you live in Peckham it's not as easy right because your nearest station is four exactly in Peckham they're just aren't any because the um the council have to pay and it's probably the same in Mexico the council has to pay to put a, yeah. a docking station there so that's what's cool about the yeah obviously where i live there's no docking stations for yeah. eco vcs which are our version of that but yeah i think it's a cool idea i think and i think it is going to be really popular i think partly at the moment they're, they're kind of at the stage where they have a sort of quite trendy edgy almost like hipster quality to them in the sense that the type of person who's going to ride mm. it is the type of person who got the first or second generation iPhone and was prepared to pay like 50 pounds a month for, <laughs> for one of like, a new iPhone the type of person who spends quite a lot of money on clothes and who could definitely afford to just not get on a scooter but but kind of wants to give it a go but I think it's actually going to go beyond that and it's there it's so in the case of Bird I was, I was looking it up that one of the US scooter companies they've expanded into multiple US cities having started out in LA and they are looking to, to come into Europe Lime I think is just about to launch in Paris so I might have to get over there to 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 get on one of the these scooters I wish I wish people could see your face Fraser looks so excited right now <laughs> <laughs> um, 
but the, so the heartbreaking thing about this this whole story, and this this is why, you know, I was actually motivated to to kind of talk about this, is that technically they're not sure if Bird and who really want to launch in the the UK are going to be able to, because electric scooters aren't actually legal in the UK. Why is that? Why are they legal? So I was doing some research, and it's basically they've got motors in but they don't have but you don't have insurance for them and you're not registered so in theory you can be stopped for riding an electric scooter okay. um, although apparently it's not really enforced but in theory but yeah it's put off these companies from from launching in the UK so it would it would be really weird to be using an electric scooter and be stopped by police like that's yeah really I think the problem is it's designed the the laws are designed to stop people riding quad bikes or yeah um segways yeah segways <laughs> things which are actually big um and they get in the way so I think in the long run the scooters are coming so I'm excited Cool. Okay. Yeah, I think people are looking for alternate transports in big cities, as you say, maybe like the sort of hipster trend. Uh, and more than hipster, is this eco-friendly trend of using alternate transport and not just public transport, but using bikes. And that's why in in Mexico they call ecobicis. It's like ecological bike. Yeah. Because it's you're not using gas, and it people are used to sharing cars now and carpooling and it's just trends that will eventually turn into alternate transport that is more eco-friendly for big cities that are already not eco-friendly just because they're big cities so i think that that's a trend yeah for sure and i think you only have to look to how quickly people's behavior has changed yeah um apparently i think this is correct the boris bikes were launched in 2010 so that's actually very recent. If you think about how people know about them and, you know, pretty well tourists who come know about them and use them. People yeah. in London, they're like an acceptable form of transport. And then you've got to think about Uber as well. I can't remember when Uber launched in London. Um, and it was so quick. And it was honestly, now you just accept your the idea of calling a cab has just completely gone into the history and i think ultimately to, to the dis, to the dismiss of cabs <laughs> yeah yeah um and yeah i basically think that people's behavior can really change and if you start seeing people whether it's riding a boris bike or getting an uber with your friends or seeing some guy who looks really cool wind <laughs> swishing past them on a scooter then I are think you talking about yourself that's hopefully in the future, but um, not at the moment, sadly. But yeah, I think that would definitely influence people's behaviour pretty fast. Yeah, definitely. I just wanted to tell the story of Boris bikes for people in Mexico because I find it hilarious. Uh, basically, Boris Johnson set up the bikes like the EcoBC, so it's unlike the bikes in Paris. It's just a basic city bike process and yeah boris, and he, set them he, up. boris was obviously the former mayor of london at the yeah. time in sort of 2009-2010 yeah and they were sponsored by this bank called barclays uh so their logo was in every single one of the bikes and they expected it to be called barclays bikes no one calls them that they all call them boris bikes so barclays pulled the sponsorship and then santander came in and no still everyone calls them boris bikes no one yeah. will ever call them 
anything else, I think. <laughs> I think I think Santander have done better than Barclays, as in yeah. because there was a change of sponsor, everyone was like, oh, I didn't even know they were sponsored by Barclays. Oh, well, Santander <laughs> are doing it. So at least people now have some recollection Idea. that there's been a change or something. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's a funny anyway, situation. Anyway, that's, that's just a parenthesis. I just thought it was, it was funny. Yeah. Yeah, and as well as playing into the kind of ecological trend, I think it also plays into the whole trend of kind of people not wanting to spend a lot of money on equipment or or on a vehicle up front because yeah even though okay so part of the reason why I actually bought a bike with my work through my work last year is because I I moved outside the the window of the forest bike scheme or outside the the area where you can can rent them but had I if I still lived well I used to live in in Camden where there were were bikes I don't know if I would have bought a bike because it's just such a big expense to spend sort of well you don't have to buy a nice bike but a few hundred pounds mm. at least to to get get going and you need the the equipment for it a lock and a helmet and you know everything like that and so i i feel that everyone is just much less likely to want to pay for their own private transport mm. if they can avoid it and so i think it definitely plays into this kind of i suppose the urban lifestyle of trying to be a bit environmentally yeah. friendly, not buying stuff that you can't fit in your small rented flat. Yeah, exactly. and rent is expensive enough. So Yeah. Yeah. So I'm intrigued, but I'm also I'm not sure if I'm the only person that thinks this. Obviously not the people behind the companies and investors, but <laughs> No, I don't think you are. I don't think you are. I don't think you're the only person that looks like an excited kit when they hear about electric scooters being a form of transport. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Also, the weather's really good in London at the moment. It's super sunny. Yeah, it's hard to think how the electric scooter is going to do when it's winter. Yeah, not very well. <laughs> yeah, because at <laughs> least with at least with a bike, I guess what happens in winter is you go out and it's cold, but because you're pedaling, you get warm. But with electric scooters, it's just going to be cold. Yeah, I think also that's probably why the scooters have been quite successful in LA and in California yeah. in general, because it's warm. It's warm and you don't just, you're not going to get kind of frost suddenly and just ice all <laughs> over the place. So, yeah, that's a really good point. They could definitely work mm. in Mexico City. They could work in Mexico yeah, City. Yeah, I think it's got potential unless you get stuck in the rain. Bring them over. <laughs> yeah, that's true. We do get quite heavy rain, don't we? But it's fine. <laughs> awesome. So, yeah, I think we're in agreement then that that's the future of transport. Hopefully. Eco-friendly transport. Yeah. Right, let's move on to our next topic then. Yeah. And I thought about this because I'm thinking of moving out of my house next year and moving to London, which is a big, big move. Obviously, not everyone does that big a move. Yeah. But I thought, because Fraser's already moved out of his parents' house and he's moved quite a few times from flats. <laughs> I was thinking we could talk about moving out, how you get used to a new area and how you get used to not living with your parents anymore. And not only that, but how to adjust to moving out from where you're living. Yeah. So I don't know what you think, Fraser, because you have experience, I don't. <laughs> it's funny because it's actually quite a few years ago for me and I feel like in yeah. in England there's kind of different 
times that people move out and so at least with mo- in the case with most of my friends the time when they moved out from their sort of family home for the first time was when they were going off to university and I think that's for mm. maybe half I think it's about half the population in the UK that's that's kind of a typical moment that you sort of build up to either after a gap year and you, you travel away or just after leaving school you you kind of look to to go I don't know I feel that I feel like at that time I was mostly thinking about moving to university meeting new people and living somewhere new in that sense rather than actually leaving behind home-cooked meals and stuff like that and having everything (laughs) you know having a lot of things at my my house yeah but at the end of the day you did end up leaving home-cooked meals and yeah and I think you had to like I don't know get new furniture or get new things for your flat yeah and I think the number one thing is actually a case of you leave behind things but you realize that there's actually so much that goes into especially when you if if you move into student accommodation it's a bit different but if you move especially into a a, a kind of private rented house or or whatever you realize how many little things there are and chores that you have to do and I just remember yeah that after a while I just felt so tired because you come in after studying if you're at university or after work if you're working and a, there's just general house chores that you've got to do just to keep your house going, like pay bills, <laughs> pay um, council tax, stuff like that. And then there's also all the other stuff, whether it's cooking, washing, cleaning. And those things can only be ignored for so long before things start, things kind of start <laughs> to go wrong. But even, but, but, it's, but even if you have three, four days when you're not doing those things, it then catches up with you so yeah. much. And you just you just get in from work one day and you realize that kind of there's so much to do and yeah that's definitely I think that's probably the hardest thing is just being tired in my case or at least for me yeah because you come back home and there's still things to do it's not like when you live with your parents where you come back home and you can just watch tv because you have to yeah you might have homework and stuff but apart from that you have to clean your room and you have to vacuum and you have to I mean not that you don't clean your room at your parents house most people probably do but there's so much more to do, I guess. Like, even just cleaning the shower takes so long. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so necessary. Very necessary. Don't, yeah. Otherwise, it all goes wrong. <laughs> yeah, because my only, my only experiences of living alone have been when I took my gap six months, which I just had a room. I didn't really live, live alone because I live with a family uh, and they rented out the room to me. I just had to take care of my room. They took care of the whole house, so it wasn't really that hard Mm. and then the other one was I just lived for two months in London with Fraser and I guess I I did have to clean the shower and I did have to clean the floor and vacuum and it is it is so tiring yeah you don't realize yeah and I think building on that one of the things which is hard is that you have all these expectations about what it's going to be like to move out. So you expect you might be going to live with friends that you already know. You might be going to live with new people that you're going to go meet at university or just even just sharing a flat. You know, you're moving city and you've got to find somewhere to live. And I think there's a lot of you have a lot of things in your mind about the, the, the way it's going to be and how it's going to work. And I mean, and when I say that, that's quite broad, but I mean literally everything from how your room's going to look and the posters and 
stuff you're going to put up in your room all the way through to the times you're going to spend hanging out with your flatmates or not hanging out with your flatmates depends what kind of person you are yeah. but but yeah you have certain things in your mind about that and so you have this maybe at least in my mind you have this kind of <laughs> expectations to be doing that to be spending time doing that and then the reality is that your free time yeah you know, it's not that you don't have free time but there's all these other things to think about as well as well as you know in in my case work and I'm previously studying so i think that adds a bit of a bit of pressure yeah the other thing i wanted to talk about on this topic is not just what it is like to move out of your parents house but what it's like to move out in in general the work it takes and the fact that you need to adjust to a new area and new places i don't know what you think yeah i think it takes I guess it takes time. Um, although, having said that, you know, not everyone will change area even. Some people will just move out because they want to go and live. Live with friends or something. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, moving out is a lot of work on its own. Just sort of having to get all your stuff in boxes. And that's so much work. That takes days and it's so tiring. <laughs> not that it's bad. It's, it's Yeah. <laughs> No, that is fine. It's also like it's also really exciting because you're moving to a new to a whole new place. It's not like bad. It's just tiring, and people people don't particularly look forward to the part where you have to pack all your stuff. You more look forward to the part where you get all your stuff to the new place and you unpack it. I think. Yes. So what do you, I mean? What do you think? Because you're obviously looking ahead towards sort of moving in the next twelve months. Hopefully, what's what are your thoughts? Do you think? It'll be easy. How do you feel about seeing other people, having seen some of your friends sort of move out? What, what, are, you, what are you looking forward to? What are you not looking forward not to? Not many of my friends have moved out. My friends who are your friends okay. have moved out. Most of my friends still live in, in their house, really in their, in their parents' house, and go to uni quite near there, like me. So that's kind of the situation with my friends. So um, for me, I don't think it's going to be easy at all because I'm moving countries. So <laughs> that's not going to be easy because I'm not. I'm obviously not going to be able to take most of my stuff. So I, I'm going to have to be very selective and think about a minimalist lifestyle, at least for the start, because I'm not going to be able to take... I have an entire <laughs> bookshelf of books that I'm obviously not going to be able to, to take. So that's going to be great for my sister because she's going to be very happy about that. But I am quite sad to live, to leave a lot of my books behind and... I think that it's going to be really hard to yeah. have the process of moving. I'm so excited to do it. I'm so excited to get to a flat in London and just be there and already having moved, having to leave some stuff behind, having to, to throw out a lot of stuff. It's almost like every when you move, you do a bit of a spring cleaning every time. Yeah, in my case, I've moved a lot since I uh, moved kind of out of yeah. family home. So, yeah, I've always had that kind of spring cleaning thing. And I think it's... That is, I, I guess it's it's difficult decision at first with what to take, but it's actually, it's probably for the best because you realise that you don't miss... What you actually need. Yeah, you don't yeah. miss a lot of the things that you leave behind or that you yeah. have to put in a box. So, yeah, it's worthwhile. Yeah, I think basically that, that thought that you have all the time when you're moving, like, okay, I have to pack all my stuff and I have to get them somewhere else. And you just power through that and it takes one or two days and then that's it and you're in a new place and it's all exciting and you can redecorate everything and I don't know I feel like it's worth it to have that bit of hustle yeah for sure cool cool 
Thanks for listening to this episode of the Distance Diaries podcast. You might be getting a bit of an extra episode this week on the Mexico election. So if you're interested in that, if you want to know a bit more about that, we might be doing a, a bit of a bonus episode this week. And if you're not, yeah. then we'll listen to you next Monday. But hopefully you can listen to our extra episode. Yeah, for sure. Well, we're not recorded yet, but it will be in time for the uh, for the election, for sure. Yeah, which are on right. Sunday. Sorry about this episode being a little bit late. We couldn't record yesterday because Fraser was having a big uh, World Cup party and it was just a bit hard <laughs> to, to, to record it. So we're doing it a day late, but it's fine. It's still here. Yeah, awesome. Brilliant. Well, thanks so much for listening. Yeah, if you'd like to get in touch, my name is at Fraser D. Bell on Instagram and Twitter. And my name's underscore Natalia Albin on Instagram and Twitter. And you can email us at the Distance Irish Podcast at gmail.com. And we love hearing from people, so contact us. Bye. Thanks. Bye.